Today on the Marketing Musician Podcast, we're going to talk about micro-focusing on your next gig. It might seem like a lot to make it happen today, but give it all you got and you just might find your way. Just make the music and you can choose to tell the world just who you are. You're listening to the Marketing Musician Podcast at marketingmusician.com. All right, hello, you marketing maniacs. It is I, your smiling host. Jammin' Dave Jackson, author of the book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement and Keep Them Out of the Asylum. That is available right over there at marketingmusician.com, along with great classes like making your band's website. That's right. Are you tired of sitting around waiting for the web guy to update your website? Look, you can be your own web guy. Check it out at marketingmusician.com. I will show you how. Now, if you'd like to contact me, I would love to hear from you. A couple different ways you can call in your comments. It's 888-563-3228. You can, let's see, you can click on the send voicemail button out of the website. You can email me, dave at marketingmusician.com. And today on the show, I'm going to talk about, we've got actually, I'm going to play some clips from Van Halen. In fact, actually, let's just start off with that. This is a clip. It's from Van Halen's website. That's David Lee Roth. And I'm going to put my fingers in the air here, uh, interviewing Alex and Eddie Van Halen about the good old days. So check this out. You know, when we, when we, when we started playing in clubs together, you're, you're bringing up a thought here that a lot of people don't think about. The ideal, like in a movie, is that you're always thinking about the arena stage, and that's the only thing that's on your mind as you're working as a musician. That that, that greater idea is always there looming consciously where I don't think it was that for us it certainly wasn't for me it went in very short little stages like one day I'm going to be the king of Gazaris. Right. <laughs> one day we'll be the top guys at the Starwood. Hey, with us, it started out with one day we went to practice piano. <laughs> right? From, from there, it went to, okay, he started playing guitar, I, I started playing drums, then we swapped because he had better on drums than me, and it went on from there. It, well, it, but you're right, it was small steps. It wasn't this big dream that we had. It was basically uh, the need to survive. It was in... Oh, but it was great fun. Oh, yeah. I know the beauty of it, man. You see, you have your instrument, you set up somewhere, and you have this this thing where you can make the people in the room dance and have a good time. Doing you know, and, what you like uh, it's, to do. It's great, yeah. All right, so you can hear them talking about they weren't really aiming, they weren't swinging for the, for the fences. They were thinking about their next gig, whether it be a, a small... It might have been a backyard, and backyards went to... Clubs, clubs went to theaters, theaters, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I read a book last year about weight loss, and it was called Just 10 Pounds because people get overwhelmed when they think, okay, I've got to lose, you know, 130 pounds or whatever it is. I've got to lose 150 pounds. I've got to lose 40 pounds, whatever. But if they think about just 10 pounds, most people go, oh, okay, I I can lose that. So you... You break it down into something that seems manageable, something that seems obtainable. And I've actually taken that 
and gone from just 10 pounds and I look at my next meal, you know, my next thing that I'm going to put in my mouth, is this something that's going to benefit me trying to stay healthy? Is this is something that's going to benefit my weight loss efforts? And I was thinking about this and the way they were talking about this, you can apply this to your next gig. Forget about how small or how big it is and ask yourself, what can I do to make this gig, you know, to, to make sure that the owner of the venue asks me back? I was listening to some comedians talking about this on a podcast and they say they always look at, you know, what can I do to make it almost impossible not to have me back? How can I bring in an audience? And uh, one of the ways to find this out, you know, how can you find out how to make yourself irresistible to the owner of the club? You ready for this? It's kind of this easy. Ask. Ask the owner about the gig. Ask them, when would you like us to drop off any promotional material? Now, here's the key to this one. You know, say, hey, uh, we're playing, you know, on April 15th. Do you want us to drop them off like right at the beginning of April? Do you want them a month in advance? When would you like any kind of promotional material from us promoting our gig? When would you like us to drop that off? And then write down, if they say April 1st is fine, write it down and do that. And then ask, okay, should I just drop it off at the front? Do I need to give it to somebody behind the bar? Who gets this information? Would you like us to hang it up for you? If so, where? And then do that. Now that is so easy. You have to show up. If you're playing locally, you have to show up and either drop off or hang up some posters. But the great thing about it is by asking them, when would you like it? And then doing it, you reinforce your reputation as being a reliable person. You start to reinforce a attitude of I'm working with you, Mr. Club owner and I'm helping you bring in business. Now, make sure you have a way at this gig to collect email addresses. If you read any book on marketing, you will find out that, you know, they always say the money's in the list. You know why they say that, right? Because the money's in the list. And yes, people like to get updates on Facebook. And yes, people like to read things on Twitter and things like that. But in the end, it doesn't hurt to get an email address. And if you can start to collect phone numbers to send text messages, that's even cooler. Then have this. It's one thing for people to see you at a club and they like you and they, you know, maybe they came into this club after they've been out hitting a couple other clubs in the evening and it's time for them to go home. They hear a song. They hear maybe two songs. They like it, but they've got to leave for whatever reason. They got to go. One of the things that, my band did was we made these little, they folded up these little brochures that promoted our website, our website, not our Facebook website, not our Twitter account. It promoted our website and explained to them how they were going to benefit by going to our website, how they could learn about the band, how they could hear samples of our music, how they could sign up for our newsletter and get more bonus bonus content. They could sign up uh, for Twitter, here's all the ways you can benefit. Here's all the, the things you can learn about the band at our website. So I had promotional material so that if somebody couldn't stay around, he could say, oh, here, take one of these. And yeah, we could have given him a business card. 
and said, here, just go to the website. But it explained to them, why should you go to our website? And they were almost free by the time we printed them. Uh, piece of cake. You could do it in Microsoft Word. I think we actually did ours in Publisher. But there are all sorts of ways to make, you know, trifold um, brochures. Maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. Here's another one. Again, the idea here, micromanaging your next gig. What can you do to make it the perfect gig? And one of those things is ask if there are any promotional items that the owner would like you to mention during the performance. Now, this might be promoting, if you're playing a Friday night, it might be mentioning who the band is tomorrow. It might be mentioning that they've got drink specials. It might be mentioning that they've got whatever, whatever they want. You've got a microphone there. Ask them, would you like me to mention anything? You know, um, when you go to the gig, one of the ways I've said this before to maximize your effectiveness at a gig, do your best to learn the names of the staff. I always say I used to have a book and I knew if I was going to the north side in Akron that, you know, it was Lindsay and Julie and Mike and Lindsay was the blonde. I made a note so that because I didn't I'm horrible with names. But I would say, you know, Lindsay, blonde, tall, you know, Julie, brunette, behind bar. And, and that way I could walk in and say, hey, Lindsay, what's going on? And she felt special because I remembered her name. Well, actually, I had it in a book. So if you can do that, uh, start that book, start that uh, list going. Also, make sure you know when you are expected to set up and what is the best door to come in. Anything, find out what bugs them about bands and then don't do that and again if they say we want you to set up at you know 6 30 and the gig starts at 8 hey you know what if you show up at 6 30 you again are showing that you are reliable that you are a great communicator and that you do what you say you're going to do so think about your next gig think about the location of the neighborhood think about your again your promotional material your merchandise that you might bring in there and see what you can do to make this the best gig ever. One of the things that I kind of look back at uh, the last gig I was in, the, the, the last band that was really, we had an eight-year run that was really good, and we actually started off in a city here in Ohio called Hudson. Now, Hudson is filled with really big houses. For lack of a better phrase, it's a, quote, rich neighborhood. Now, the hilarious thing is it's a rich it's a rich neighborhood filled with houses that in many cases have no furniture because people just want to live in Hudson to say they live in Hudson. And uh, a lot of times they can't afford uh, furniture and things of that nature. But it was interesting because we had this little restaurant that actually moved out two booths to make room as a stage, and we would pack this place with maybe 40, 50 people tops because it couldn't hold anymore, but we packed this place. We On our break, we would get uh, done playing, and we would go out and we would talk to almost everybody in the club, try to get their names. This is something else we used to do. We used to take pictures of people at the gig and write down their names and then post their picture, not on our Facebook page, on our website. You had to go to our website and I would put their names, just their first name, uh, next to the picture and then maybe make a note about what they were there for. They were celebrating Barbie's birthday or whatever. This sent people to our website and then the other thing it did, it got us to know their names. So we talked about knowing the names of the the, the staff. This got to know our names of our fans and then our fans became our friends. So Another thing we've done 
in terms of promotion, if it's not just posters, is you can make what are called name tents. And a lot of times, again, ask the, the club owner, is there something that's coming up, some sort of drink special, some sort of dinner special, something that they want to promote, and have your band on one side of the name tent and the club owner on the other. Again, why? Because it's showing you are working with them. And you never know. I worked in, I had a, a band that, <laughs> I had a band that lasted one gig because it was a, an experiment and it didn't really work out very well, but it's called Brother Dave and the Revelations. And, uh, my one experience of being mainly a, a uh, lead vocalist, and that's when I was like, you know what? I can sing backup. I am not a lead vocalist, but, uh, it was Brother Dave and the Revelations and we played this one gig and the club actually came up with a drink called, um, it was either called the Revelation or a Revelator. I forget what it was, but it was a drink. And um, anytime we only played that that club, we played this club twice. And after two gigs, we went, this isn't going to work. Uh, but they loved the fact that they had, uh, you know, people would come to, uh, to so they could get a Revelator. They said they would only serve them uh, when we played. And uh, I always thought they probably just changed the name after we left. But it also, and I was surprised about this one because it was kind of a one of a time, one of a kind drink that um, we again promoted this on stage for the club owner. And because it was like, hey, if you want one of these, you got to get it here while we're here. Uh, a lot of people ordered those, and that, as you might imagine, made the club owner very happy. So don't think about how am I going to get into a big theater? How am I going to get? the opening slot on this, what you can focus on is getting, taking your next gig, whatever it is, however big, however small, and ask yourself, what can I do to be interactive with my fans? What can I do to promote the appearance? What can I do with the club owner to make sure that there's something that they need promoted, how I can help promote them, how they can help promote me, and and anything you do with a club owner that is time-based, Write it down and do what you say you're going to do on the date when you say you're going to do it. That paints you as reliable. You know, be sure to send out an email blast, you know, not too many, to alert your fans that you have this gig. Be sure to mention it on Twitter. Be sure to mention it on Facebook. And just take a second and step back and maybe say, look, okay, we're playing on the 15th. On this date, we're dropping off. Look at it like a war plan or, or a, a, a football game with a game plan. Okay, on the 1st, we're dropping off flyers. On this date, we're doing this. And, and uh, it's on Friday, so on Monday, we're going to hit um, our list with a, a, a blast about don't forget the gig. We're going to do one more on Wednesday, but we're not going to do one on Friday. We're not going to blast them too much. Maybe we'll send a text message out on Friday, depending on the scenario. You know, We don't want to oversaturate our email list. We uh, want to make sure that there are directions on our website so that people know where it is. You know, think about everything you can to get people there and focus on the next gig. And then when you're done, focus on the next gig. And when you pull these off and you put everything you can into that performance, if that means, you know, hey, you know what, um, lead singer, when we get done, you go mingle with people as they leave. We'll take care of the gear. And then the next gig, okay, uh, drummer, you go say hi to everybody while they're leaving at the end of the gig. We'll take care of the gear. You know, rotate that out. Take advantage of people leaving and uh, make sure that your merch table is right by the front door. Everything you can to make each gig an event 
and focus on that one gig in the same way that, you know, Van Halen just focused. We just want to be the best backyard band we can. And then the best, you know, small club and then the best small theater. Focus on each gig and ask yourself, what can I do to make sure that the owner, it's almost mandatory that they ask us back. All right, I want to remind you that one of the ways you can help keep this podcast going is to go out and buy my book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement and Keep Them Out of the Asylum. Go out to marketingmusician.com. You can click right on the link, Get Your Band Out of the Basement. It is available as an ebook, or you can actually get the audio book. Check it out at marketingmusician.com. Now, if you're not interested in a book, Go out to the website. We've got links on the right-hand side to places like Musician's Friend or where you can actually look at the stupid deal of the day. All sorts of great resources, fan bridge as well, things out there. Or if you want, if you're like, well, I don't really need any gear, go out to supportthisshow.com. We've got links to places like Amazon. If you're going to be buying something on Amazon, why not stop by supportthisshow.com. When you click on that link, we get a small referral fee for that and it is greatly appreciated to help cover the cost of the podcast all right next up one other quick clip i'm going to play from this van halen clip here and uh if you still think you want a record deal it later on in this video eddie and david lee talk about their first record deal where they got 11 points they said now before you go thinking you think you know, that's 11 cents for every dollar. Think again. There's actually a stipulation based on old 78 records. Now, these are records that were brittle. They were like peanut brittle, literally. You drop them and they would just shatter. And so record companies made it so that they figured that 10% of all records broke during delivery. So you got 11 points for every 90 cents because they figured you're not getting paid on a dollar because 100% of the records aren't being uh, delivered Now, realize that was like back in the 30s and 40s probably when there were 78s, but the music industry never updated their pay structure when things like, oh, I don't know, CDs came along that were almost indestructible. But they make a note here that uh, we'll listen to them talk about Ted Templeton here, the fact that the producer was getting more money than he was, and uh, it's just interesting. So if you want a uh, record deal, uh, listen to uh, the great deal that Van Halen got. What was our original recording deal on records? Because most people don't really know what happens behind records. What's really a producer? What's really oh. uh, well, what's really a mix? What's really, I know what uh, they called it. They the, called it a Motown deal. Okay, <laughs> go ahead, man. D- d- which was what, as you remember, which was, I'll do it, and then you do it. Which Al. was an eleven-point deal. What's, what do you mean by point. eleven points? That's that's that we didn't find out until much much later. That a point is one percent, not of a hundred percent, but one percent of ninety percent. And the basis for that was came from in the old days when seventy eighths were delivered. Upon delivery, approximately ten percent <laughs> of the product broke. So they paid you on 90% of the delivery. Oh, if you watch Boardwalk Empire right now, 1920s, those are acrylic records, really heavy, breakable ones. My father gave me a collection of Al Jolson, man, on 78s that I actually broke. They fell from the desk. They're priceless now. I'm killing myself, you know, but they broke into pieces. And one out of ten of those broke 
1924. So you're not getting paid on a buck. You're getting paid on 90 cents. Records and look so like CDs, but they're bigger. So it's one, <laughs> one penny out of 90 pennies is a point, basically. Okay? Now, we had an 11-point deal, and three points went to Ted, our producer. The producer. Okay? Ted still makes more money than I do on those first two. Oh, yeah, he makes more than all of us. But he's still Ted. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, okay, so that leaves eight. Out of the eight, we had to pay agents, attorneys. uh, Well, the whole thing was a loan. It was like an 18% loan. Yeah, but I mean, the band, band, if I remember right, uh, got the split, I think, three points by the time we were done. I think we split a dollar and 15 cents between the four of us. And don't forget. And then paid for everything. But don't forget the weekly check of $83.83. And then it went from bad to worse. Yeah, we toured for a year, and they still owed a million dollars or something like that. We 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 owed a million dollars. we, We went platinum, we toured for a year, we came back, and Warner, Warner Brothers, can I mention that? Warner Brothers told us uh, that we owed them $2 million. And, and on top so, of that, we owed them another record. Yeah. And it was the end of the year, we had three, three weeks of delivering another record. So I went to Ted and I said, Ted, let me get something straight here. We sold a million records, we toured for a year, and we owe you guys $2 million. So if we had done 10 records and sold 10 million records, we would have owed you $20 million? <laughs> 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 <Right>? <laughs> And he kind of looks at me and goes, why yeah, are we sort doing? <laughs> why are we doing this? And on top of that, it was a two-record-a-year two deal. That was like Beatle time, 1960s oh, yeah. level stuff. So we had three weeks to record another record, and boom, we went straight out on tour again. All right, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Again, our website is marketingmusician.com. I always want to remind you that uh, if you're thinking of, of starting your own website, I want to point out that at the end of this month, Facebook is going to make these massive sweeping changes. And so if you put out money to have a custom tab where people were, you know, landing on your page and you put all this effort into Facebook that they have decided that they are in control, it's Facebook and we can do it because we're Facebook and we don't care. Realize also, by the way, Facebook now has gone public, and they're going to be all about making the Benjamins. Not about getting traffic. It will be about making the Benjamins. Why? Because they have, um, you know, stockholders now that want profit. They want the stocks to go up. And you watch. You watch. This is going to start to be the demise of Facebook because when Facebook started, and MySpace was king. MySpace was trying to be everything to everybody, and it lost its primary um, attractiveness. Was it was an easy to use platform, and it spotlighted music, and it was simple to use. And then they brought in everything. They put too many ingredients, and they ruined the stew. Facebook is doing the exact same thing. And about the time you think you got it right and everybody goes, this is great, they change it. And all the work you put into their website goes out the window. And now they're going to be focused on making the moolah. And you trust me on this one. They're going to ruin Facebook. 
People are already mad about all the privacy policies, and now they follow this up with, oh, by the way, your pages are going out the window, and we've redesigned them, and you can't promote yourself. You can't do a call to action. They're going to ruin Facebook. Mark my words. And that is why you want to use Facebook as a billboard to point people to your website, which is going to be hard now with the new pages. And this is why you want to invest money. This is why you want to invest time in your website where you have control. And if you're like, well, I have my own website. I've got this other guy and he needs to do the updates. No, you can do your own website. You can do this. So check it out at marketingmusician.com. I've got a class that will show you exactly how to do it. If you can attach a file and email, you can be a webmaster. If you can use Microsoft Word, you can be your own webmaster. It's really that easy. And I was going to do a whole thing on that, that I've been telling people forever, don't put all your eggs in the Facebook basket. And when I heard they were redoing the pages, and there are people that invested thousands of dollars in their Facebook page And it's just going out the window because you can't have a default landing page anymore. I just want to hear that guy from The Simpsons go, ha ha, right? Because you blew it. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all those are great tools to help drive traffic to your website. Because nobody can promote you like you. And that begins at your website. So thanks for tuning in. Deeply appreciated. Uh, would love any kind of feedback. There may or may not be a show uh, next week. I actually had eye surgery, if you're still listening at this point, uh, this week. And I've, I basically lost about half the week being, for lack of a better phrase, almost blind in one eye, which has now been recuperating. But I'm so far behind now with email and things like that. So I'm going to try to to get caught up before next week. But uh, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Our website is marketingmusician.com. You can email me, Dave, at marketingmusician.com. You can call in your comments, 888-563-3228, or you can click on the Send Voicemail button out at our website. Let me leave you with this parting thought, and that is for those who have money, there's therapy, but for the rest of us, there is music. Hallelujah. Stay cool, everybody. We'll see you again real soon with another episode of the Marketing Musician Podcast. Woo! Woo!